Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. We're gonna, I'm going to start a message called The Hope. And um, we'll go in a little bit different direction tonight. You all ready? All right. Let's pray and then we'll go. Father, we're grateful tonight for the opportunity to just receive from you, to receive from your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who is the teacher. Father, I ask that you would use me to speak your word with boldness, accuracy, clarity. And Father, we have hearts that are open and we can hear and receive. Thank you that your word changes us. It causes light to come. And Father, that changes our perspective. It changes who we are, how we see ourselves, what a blessing it is. And so we're thankful tonight. We're expectant tonight. We look to you and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I was thinking of something called a hope and I thought, I thought of something that I haven't, I don't even know if they still do that anymore. It, it, it used to be something that in older times, and I'm talking back a while, have you ever heard the term a hope chest? Do they still, they still have those? People still do that? Yes, no, what, what? Yes, they still, okay. Hope chest, for all of you who don't know what it is, it's not hoping for a chest, it's hoping. <laughs> it's it's a, a, a piece of furniture. <laughs> Joy's not here, I'm in trouble already. Yeah, just, just, that's, that's the way it goes. Uh, uh, by the way, she's speaking Sunday. If you've never heard her speak, if, if, if you know, I'm just going to go ahead and warn you right now. Bring Kleenex. She's got like a Jeremiah in reverse anointing. Jer- Jeremiah was the crying prophet. Joy speaks and everybody else cries. So just go ahead. You were warned. But it, it she, really, it, she's got a lot to say and uh, it's very good. But anyway, Hope Chest. Hope Chest is usually a big piece of, of furniture and, and young ladies would put in it items preparing for marriage. Now, they weren't married yet, but they were preparing. Is that right? Did I get that right, Lynn? Okay. Not that I had one. Joy didn't have one. We, we had nothing when we got married. But uh, a, a hope chest. And so it, hope means there's an expectation there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get married. There, there's a hope that we have in Christ. And that's a hope that's, that's a, it's a lot more than just a hope of heaven when we die. And uh, I was, uh, a couple of weeks ago, right after Easter, I, I went up to, um, to New York. I was actually, in, Matt and I were in New York City, right outside of New York City, and attending a conference. And uh, they kept talking about the gospel, but the only thing they talked about, it was an interesting group. That was an, inter- that was an interesting trip. <laughs> Sometime I'll have to share with you how to miss God and live to tell about it. But it was, uh, <laughs> it, it, but they kept talking about the gospel and, and they kept saying, and they, they, they kept saying it was one thing, it was one thing, it was one thing. And I thought, no, 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 the, the gospel is so much bigger than just going to heaven when you die. There's a lot of, there's a lot of hope that we have here. So I, I'm going to give you a, a verse that Paul uh, talked about. It was his prayer and it was his prayer for the Ephesians. And I'm going to read this prayer out of Ephesians 1. 
And then, and then I, want to, I want to talk about it a little bit because pay attention to this prayer. It is a great prayer to pray for other believers. People say, how do I pray for, for other believers? Right here. Ephesians 1. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? And he goes on to talk about the mighty power that he raised Jesus from the dead with. But this is a, this is a really good prayer. And let's just talk about it just for a little bit. He's praying for enlightenment. Now, it's really interesting that Paul never prays that people would be blessed. He never prays, Lord, bless, bless the church at Ephesus. Lord, bless the believers here. And you say, well, doesn't, doesn't, didn't Paul want them to be blessed? He did. The thing about it is, is Paul realized we already are blessed. He wanted them to see it. He said, I pray. Honestly, this is, this is one of the ways that I pray for you guys. I pray that the eyes of, uh, that you would be enlightened, the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your understanding, actually that word means the eyes of your heart that would be enlightened, that, that you, would, you would see it. How many of you know that there's a difference between when you just hear something and then all of a sudden you go, oh, I see that. I see that. And when you see it, it changes things. And so Paul is praying this prayer. This is a great prayer to pray for other believers. And, and so as you're praying for loved ones, maybe you're, maybe you're praying for a loved one and man, they just, don't, they just don't seem to be getting it. They're like, man, I really wish they'd catch on to this or I really wish they, they'd catch fire. <laughs> you hear people praying all kinds of things. Lord, humble them, Lord. Just humble them so that don't pray. And if you're praying that for me, stop. <laughs> That's not a good prayer. Praying that the Lord, or, or I hear prayers say, break them, Lord. Just break them. Do not pray that prayer for me. But, but listen, there are a lot of, you think, well, man, if they get broken, they'll turn to the Lord. No, they won't. I know people that get broken and get bitter and get meaner and blame God. So praying that way is not good. So how about, how about we pray this? Lord, enlighten the eyes of their understanding. Let them see it. Paul prayed really three prayers, three strong prayers. Two of them are in Ephesians. One of them is in Colossians. And every time he's praying for believers, he is praying that they would see things. In Colossians, which is, has got to be my favorite, he said, he said, that you would fill them with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that they would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all perseverance and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks to the Father who's made them able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. So you seem to know that one. I pray that one for you. That's my prayer for you. Well, I thought you were praying that I would be blessed. Nope. You are blessed. I'm praying that you see it. I'm praying that, you're, that you get filled with it, 
So when you get filled with the knowledge of God's will, it changes things. When you know what God's will is, man, that just that sets you, that will put you, that will put your wood on fire right there. You're like, oh, that's God's will. Then you walk worthy. So we're praying for revelation. Now, while I'm on this, just on the subject of prayer, I say, well, how do I pray for my lost loved ones? A lot of times people are saying, Lord, save them. Save them. Now let's stop just for a moment. How many of you know that Jesus has already paid the price for their salvation? Right? So when we're praying, Lord, save them, we're asking, God's already done that, has he not? Yeah, yeah. So when we're, if someone came down to the front after service and said, Pastor, I want you to pray for me that I, that I, I would be saved. I'm not going to look at them and say, Lord, you need to do something for this, this young one right here. Lord, just go to the cross again. You think, you have lost your mind. Pastor, what are you talking about? He's already gone to the cross, right? He's already, he's already been dead and buried and raised from the dead, right? He's alive forevermore. You say, well, you know, I, I got saved. That's the first time you recognized it is when you said, I'll accept that which already has been done. Does that make sense? You say, well, okay, well, how do we pray then for people who, who have not received salvation? See, that's the key. We want to pray. Lord, since Jesus said, send laborers into the harvest. Someone they'll listen to. Send someone across their path. So if you're praying for a loved one, oh God, save them, oh God, save them. Let's change that. Say, oh Father, send someone across their path who they'll listen to. Listen, some, you listen to somebody. We have people bringing people to church all the time. Hey, come to church. Come. You say, if you don't know what to do, bring them here. But you got people... And, and by the way, if you're family, pray for someone else to come across their path. Because sometimes family doesn't listen to family just because they're family. It's because I know you. I changed your diaper when you were young. I, you don't tell me nothing. It's like, it, uh, that's, he say, well, why don't they listen to me? I'm their family. Well, Jesus said a prophet's not without honor except in his own home, in his own hometown with his family. So does that make sense? Pray that some, right now, anybody got lost loved ones? Hands up. Well, let's just do it right now. Let's just stop. Heavenly Father, we pray for these lost loved ones. You love them. You've desired, you've already paid the price for them to be saved. So, Lord, we're asking right now that you would send laborers across their path, someone that they'll listen to, someone that, that can have access to them. And we ask you, Father, that they can see the salvation that belongs to them we thank you for doing that. In Jesus' name, amen. And we said amen. Okay. So when you think about it during the week and you think about it, say, and every time you stop and go, oh God, no, stop and go, Lord, I want to thank you for sending someone across their path. Now here's a good seed to plant. You could also be a laborer. Where'd you go? Where'd y'all go? You could be a laborer. I'm not saying you have to button, you just... Put someone on the ground and go, you need to receive Jesus. I just, just, just sprinkle them. Don't fire hose them. Sprinkle them. But we can all do that. So I I don't know, I don't know how to to witness to anyone. Has God done anything for you? Amen. You can just tell your story. Lord help me. You don't have to make a big Lord help me. The Lord's done good for me. Okay. That was that was free. Just a sideline. Here's what Paul wanted them to know. 
He wanted them to know what is the hope of his calling. Going back to that verse in Ephesians, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened that they may know what is the hope of his calling. Let's talk about that just a little bit. A calling, the hope of his calling is an invitation into God's kingdom with all his privileges. The hope of his calling. If you grew up in church or been around church for a while, you've heard people say, well, they answered the call. Ever heard that? What do we typically think of when we think of someone who answered the call? We think of preachers, don't we? Or missionaries. Well, they answered the call. I, I, got, I got news for you. All of us are called. I heard an older minister years and years ago say something that always stuck with me. He said, everyone who comes to Christ, especially as an adult, he said, oftentimes they, they, they sense that they're called to preach. He said, after coming to Christ, because they sense that calling, that invitation, they, and what, what it is, is, and how many of you can testify, after you come to Christ, all of a sudden you sense there's a divine purpose. There's a reason that I'm here. God has something for me. And so a lot of times what happens is people think, well, if God has something for me, certainly is I'm supposed to be in ministry full time. And that may or may not be the case in terms of that being your vocation. But every one of us is called. And so, you know, people come to Christ, they're like, man, I just feel, I feel like I'm, I'm called to preach or I feel like I'm, I'm called. You're all called. Well, and I'm, I'm a stay-at-home mom. You're called. I'm a teacher. You're called. So we have an invitation into God's kingdom. We're going to talk about some of that calling, but God has called all of us. That's one of the beautiful things about coming to Christ. We recognize, man, there is a divine purpose for my life. I am not just down here taking up air conditioning, which we're going to need a lot more of in the next few days. I, I am not, I'm not just taking up air conditioning. I have, there's a purpose for me. Now, let me just, let me just stop this for a second because that's how I'm praying about this. I know there's some of you saying, but, but Alan, I do feel called to preach. And I've had people come talk to me. They say, I feel called. I feel called into ministry. What should I do? I got a great, I got a great, here, this is the best advice I can give you. Should I just stop what I'm doing and go to Bible school? No, get involved here or in your home church. If you're, if you're not here, get involved in your home church doing something. I've had people come sit in my office and go, man, I want to do what you do. Okay. I say, volunteer. And they look at me like I slapped them. And, and I'm, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to be unkind, but you've got to start somewhere. And if you jump in somewhere, you're going to find out, well, maybe, you know, I, 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 you're going to find out a little bit more about what you're called to do. But start. I think I did a whole message on that Sunday. Just start. Step into something. And so if you feel a call and say, well, should, what should I do? Yeah, start volunteering somewhere. I came out of Bible school, went back to Lakewood, told them, I said, man, I, I'm here. And they said, great, we got a place for you. Children's church needs help. <laughs> like, I'm a graduate of Bible school. <laughs> 25 years old with the bullet. I don't, I need to be teaching large adult classrooms. And the, and the guy who looked at me, he's so smart. He's an, he's an older guy from Mississippi, talked real slow. He said, well, glad you graduated. Children's church needs help. 
I knew he didn't hear me. So I repeated for him that I had graduated from Bible school. Straight A's. He said, that's good. Children's church needs help. And after about the third time, it dawned on me. There was my opportunity right there. Children's church need help. I, actually, I was an usher first, and then I worked for joy. Yeah, and someone said, you're still working for joy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. The calling. It's invitation to God's kingdom with all his privileges. It really begins to go into who we are. The hope of his calling begins to get into who we are. The righteousness of God, more than a conqueror's chosen, blessed, special. He wanted them to know what our inheritance is in Christ. The benefits available to us because of what Jesus has done. Remember, Paul's praying for that they would see it. I want them to see this. I want to see what God's called them to be, who they are. I want them to see them, the benefits of what God has for them, what they have. And uh, in Galatians 3.14, he said that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The equipping and baptism of the Holy Spirit is part of our inheritance. Healing, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification. All of these belong to us in Christ. He wanted them to see who we are, what we have, and then God's power towards us. The knowledge that's not discernible through just observation, but the knowledge on the inside that God's power towards us who believe is a pretty awesome thing. So let's talk a little bit about the hope of our calling it has a lot to do with our identity. Now that's a big word today, isn't it? Identity. Our identity. What do you identify with? Well, there's a, there's a lot of things that, that you can identify with. I, I wrote down some, some things that, that I identify with. I'm a male, Caucasian, Southern upbringing. My parents were both Alabama born georgia raised they raised me southern upbringing and so you say well does that make you a racist nope how about a redneck no not that either how about a gentleman yeah that's how i was raised that's an identity typically these things don't change male caucasian southern upbringing can't change that except in my case when i was 58 my mother called me from a nursing home and said, Alan, I've got a, a secret that I need to share with you, something I've held from you for a long time. I, I hate to admit that the first thought was, Mom, you're in your 80s, you're way too old to have an affair. <laughs> Sorry, it's just, just a first thought when your mom calls you and says, I've got a secret. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> She said the secret was that your, your father could not have children. And so in 1958, which was only about 10 years after they invented it, my mother was artificially inseminated. Now, that was, <laughs> she's in heaven now, so I can get away with this. She hated when I would tell this story. It embarrassed her. Because in that day, they actually would call it adultery by doctor. Uh, and so it was not something that they really told. They never told me. I'm 58 years old. And they, I always thought I was my dad. I talk like my dad. I have mannerisms similar to my father. 
Now, he's 6'4". I kept waiting for that growth spurt to come. It never happened. <laughs> but what they, they said was, she said, Alan, she said, your, your dad couldn't have it so artificially inseminated. Uh, there was a 25% chance that it would take. I mean, this was a new procedure in 1958. I was born in 59. And it took the first time. And, um, and so that's when I found out about and, and doing a DNA test. I found out that I'm half Jewish. Like my whoever was the donor was 100% Jewish from the Ukraine. Now, it, that's, that's, a, that's a little bit of an identity switch. But I want to go into that because most, most things with identity, though, are temporary. So if I say male Caucasian Southern upbringing, I found out, well, male Caucasian and Jewish Southern upbringing. But not all things that we identify with are permanent. And this is where it can get sticky. If you identify with physical appearance and physical abilities, that's going to change. How many of you know people who are, were great athletes maybe in high school? And maybe they even played college ball. But then it stopped there. And a lot of times for athletes, they've been, they've been known for being great athletes and no longer are they great athletes, that, that can impact your identity. Because that's, that's going to change. And you, and you typically won't stay a great athlete all your life. H how about someone who's known for being beautiful? I mean, you can stay beautiful for a while, but after a while, you're not turning heads anymore. I know, I know some ladies, they're trying, but you're like, mm, no, darling, no. Yeah, no. no. But if, if that's your identity, that, that's... <laughs> I, I'm... I'm I could get real in trouble here, so I'll just tell them myself. <laughs> Every time I used to go to my mother's nursing home, I was a hit. <laughs> I tore that nursing home up, man. I walked through. And those ladies would come out, and they would look at me. One of them, she said, I love your hair, especially the back of it. <laughs> I looked over at her husband. He was sitting there, man. He didn't have a hair on his head. I'm like, well, I... I got it. You know, but, you know, their average age is 85. Any, anybody who, who could, you know, walk in upright is going to be, it's going to be. You know. <laughs> My mom's like, all these ladies like you at the nursing home. That does nothing for me, mom. That, <laughs> nothing. That does not make me feel better at all. Like I'm bad in a nursing home. Like here I come. <laughs> but it's, it, it's going to change. If you were a head turner, you're not going to be a head turner all your life. You can't base your identity there. How about um, economic status? That can change. You can go from making here to there. And if that's where your identity is, that can be a, a problem. Uh, titles, job positions, things can, can change. And so somebody, maybe they were a business owner or they were a president and then they no longer are. And so people, when they don't have a title or don't have something, all the time they, they lose a sense of identity. A friend of mine said something, Keith, Keith Moore, he comes here, um, praying that he'll come again this year. But um, he said, um, if you put your identity in something that you can lose, 
He said, you're going to need another identity. And you think about it, there are so many things that we put our identity in that, that you can lose. I mean, there's nothing sadder than seeing a guy in his 40s and 50s still wearing his high school letter jacket. You want to go, bro, those days are over, man. It's just, they're over. But it, it's sad because that's someone who's still trying to identify with something that's gone. Paul is praying and he prays for the, for the hope. He said, I'm, I'm praying that, that the hope of his calling. So our confidence really is not supposed to be in natural things. Now, in Philippians, Paul was writing to the church and he's writing to the church because they were dealing with um, these, these Judaizers. Paul would come in and he would preach to, to people who had no, often no religious background at all. They had, maybe they worshiped idols, they, were, they had pagan backgrounds. And he would come in and preach to them and they would get saved. Well, then oftentimes he was followed by a group of what they called Judaizers. And the Judaizers would come and they would tell these Gentile, these Gentile believers who were just so happy to receive Christ, he would tell them, it is so good that you received Christ, but we need you to be circumcised and keep Jewish law. Now, that was a hard sell. But, but they would go in and they would really begin to pound that. And, and so Paul, was, he's writing and he's talking to them and he's saying, this is, this, he's saying, this natural, this flesh, this who we are, and so many things we identify with, he said, is not what we're supposed to be identifying with. So let's read. He says, he said, we are the circumcision. See how, see how she loved the back of my hair, how it flipped in me? <laughs> I need joy here to keep me tethered in tonight. He says that we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. He said, though I might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm more so. He said, I was circumcised the eighth day. That's Jewish law, stock of Israel, tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews concerning the law of Pharisee. He said, concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He said, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. He said, you can't put your confidence in things of the flesh. He said, if anybody could, I could. If anybody could. He said, I, I, I could. I, he said, I'm, I'm as Jewish as they get. He said, I, I'm a Pharisee. I was, I was moving up the ranks. He said, but I counted those lost for Christ. In other words, I am not going to identify with those things. I'm going to identify with who I am because I have received Christ. Now, people ask me when I heard from my mother at 58 that I, my dad wasn't my biological father. They said, did that bother you? And I remember thinking about it. I said, it did not. It amused me. Because now I can look at Joy. Joy loves Jewish culture. She keeps up with it. I look at Joy and go, na 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 na. <laughs> I'm Jewish. You're not. Ha <laughs> ha it, it, it amused me. And I had people look at me and go, dude, did that, you, you just freak out? No, I did not freak out. Because... I did not base my identity in being the son of Richard Clayton. I base my identity now on who I am in Christ and my heavenly father. It's a stronger identity than the simply my biological identity. Does that make sense? 
And so I didn't, I didn't get upset. It didn't. It upset my mother that I talked about it and the church got a big kick out of it. I mean, I still have yarmulkes with the Texans logo on them. And so I, <laughs> which I do not wear. But anyway, Paul's saying that's not where your confidence is. And he said, our confidence is no longer his heritage. He said, my confidence is in Christ. So here's the thing. We are called to a new, higher identity. Colossians 2nd chapter. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Our roots are in Christ. We are rooted and built up in him. That means rooted. That means that's where I place my identity. You see, when I I pray, I I don't pray and say, Heavenly Father, It's me, Pastor Allen. (laughs) Because being a pastor doesn't give me any more access to the throne of God than being a laborer, truck driver, sales rep. Do you see what I'm saying? When I come to the Heavenly Father, I don't come in my name and who I am and what my title is. I come to him and say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that I can come and approach your throne boldly in Jesus' name. I come because not what I've done. I come because my identity is not based on my heritage or what I've done or haven't done. My identity is based on who Jesus has made me because as a new creation in Christ, I'm now rooted and built up in him. Now, see, that's good news. If you think, if you think, well, Alan, he's got, he's a pastor. He has advantages I don't have. That's not true. That's not true. I still have to do God's word just like you do. When I pray, it's not like, oh, Pastor Alan's praying. Wait, you guys got to wait. Come, come in, Pastor, to the throne. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. The way it works is we all come and we don't come in our own name. We come and say, Lord, I want to thank you for your goodness. I want to thank you that because of you, because of what you've done, I can stand before you without a sense of guilt or inferiority because of what I am in Christ, not my background, not my heritage. I don't come going, hey, Lord, now that I'm half Jewish, (laughs) here's your boy. Twice chosen. <laughs> it, doesn't, it, it doesn't work that way. But what I want you to understand is that your, your identity and my identity are not based on job titles. It's based on what Jesus has done. So you have just as much a right to go to the throne and to pray and for God to hear your prayers as he will mine. Amen. You know, I'm amazed at how quiet it gets every time I say that. Because I think we have this kind of idea that we still kind of have a star mentality. I'm not saying I'm a star, but I'm saying we have a star. Certain people have it, certain people don't. Alan has it, he's a pastor. Joy has it, she's perfect. Justin has it, he can sing. And then I'm just, I'm just a regular person. Let me tell you something. It, when we come before God's throne, it isn't titles, talents, abilities, positions. It is, did you make Jesus your Lord? 
Yes. If you made Jesus your Lord, that's level playing ground. So God will hear you pray just as quickly as he hears me pray. You know, the only difference is I might believe it more than you do. That's the only difference. You say, well, can I, can I get there? Sure can. Can you get to, and listen, when you get there, when you realize I don't even have to have, it's good to have people pray. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is don't put yourself in an inferior place because you don't feel like you have a title in God's kingdom. You are just as called as I am called. You are just as called as anybody else is called, as Billy Graham, as Joel Osteen, as anybody you know. You're, it's a level playing field. It's Jesus that we're basing it on, not who we are. Does that make sense? And because of that, that's a great identity. Then we, don't ha- then we don't have to walk around and there's no class distinctions. There's a, there's a big reason we don't, that there's only two seats that are saved in this church and that's right there in the, in the front and we have some saved security and some for wheelchairs. But other than that, we don't have, I don't like tears. So there's, you're like, oh, those people sit in the front, they're special. No, I don't care if you sit way back in the back. A lot of times people come in, they sit as far back as they can. It's like, I need to stay away from you. But I watch as they just move closer and closer and closer. Because they realize, hey, there's no tears here. Level playing field. So Paul said, all that heritage and all that stuff, he said, I count that, I count that loss for Christ. You bow your heads with me. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That our identity is in Jesus, not in us. Thank you, not in titles, not in positions, not in our heritage. That's in Christ and we look good in him. So Father, thank you for that. I thank you for every individual here and everyone who's listening. And Lord, I thank you that you love them and care about them. And they have such access to you. I pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. That they would know what is the hope of your calling. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you came this evening or maybe you're watching online, you say, you know what, Alan, I don't, I don't know that I even have a relationship with the Lord. or I'm not sure I had one. I've gotten away from him. And I know I'm away from him, but I don't want to stay there. Man, I, I, I want to be back or I want to be in fellowship. I need to know in my heart. We're going to say a prayer. And we're not going to have you stand up or come to the front. That's not the purpose of the prayer. The purpose of the prayer is to help you make the connection with the one who can absolutely change your life. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed, so I am going to ask you one thing. If that's you I'm talking to, and you say, Alan, I would like to be in on your prayers, would you pray for me? Would you shoot your hand up real quick just across the auditorium? Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. It takes courage to do that, but thank you for doing that. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand, you wanted to. You can still jump in on this prayer. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. If you're online watching, you can pray this. Uh, if, you're, if you're alone, pray it out loud. If you are with other people, you can pray it quietly. We'll say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. 
I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. Thank you for those who've come to you and those who've come back. We rejoice with them. We give you all the praise because they've just joined your family with equal status. What a wonderful blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.